0: hey tell me again how you love me you can't just make people's blood explode out of their bodies uh you silly (laughs) i
1: love you so much (laughs) (laughs) you silly goose don't do it again (laughs) don't stop it don't you dare don't kill that nurse To say Smut a literary podcast <laughs> I'm so glad you could make it <laughs> this is this is hope's intro that she just warned me she wanted to put together um, were so that so was like company today no. I'm glad you could make
0: it to say Smut a literary podcast for readers and non-readers
1: <laughs> I am Sarah and I love to read and I'm hoping I'm bad at comedy bits. <laughs> Actually, some would say that was delightful. Um, well, I just didn't know what to expect. For of us expect. who visually saw it, it was pretty good. Hope, like, did a whole hair flip turn around. Oh, hello. Um, well, welcome. We are a little delayed. And the next month of recording will probably be a little wonky time-wise it's because true. somebody decided to get married.
0: Almost some of us have a lot of different life things happening and also a lot of different mental health that we got to take care of. And we sometimes do. it delays the podcast and that's fine. That's okay. Cause this isn't our full-time job. Take care um, of yourselves. Well, take- <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, laughing at take care of yourselves. Always take care of yourselves. We're laughing about whose full-time job this is or
1: isn't. Moving on. <laughs> that's great. Well, I uh, wanted to say I am freshly showered. I'm in my cozy uh, blanket, and I've got a little T-shirt on that says, you say cat lady like it's a bad thing. And it's got the little uh, Aristocats girl on it. Oh, yes, Marie. Marie, or the mom whose name is Marie. Marie. Um, She's my girl. And uh, it's a shirt from my aunt and my cousin, and my cousin listens to us religiously. So hello, Rachel. She's Hi doing Rachel. She's doing an internship at Disney. Well, it's it shouldn't cool. call it an interest. It's like the, the college program, the Disney yes. College program. Um, but she's like living her best life in Florida right now. So hello, Rachel. Um, yeah. and I'm wearing your shirt if you're not watching the YouTube version. Um, but we are cozy and we are ready to talk about today's book. But before mm-hmm. we get in, I want to give some content warnings. Um, The warnings include guns, death, violence, sexual content, and fire. And we are going to be reviewing Pestilence um, by Laura Thalesa. I want to say that's her name. I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. we are so
0: sorry. If Sarah doesn't know, I super don't know. So it's going to be wrong the whole time.
1: (laughs) Um, And here's the thing. I recommended this book. And I thought, I haven't read this book in a year and a half, over a year and a half. And then I reread the book this last weekend. And I thought, this is a little darker than I remember. (laughs) This is a little more messed up than I remember. I'm thrilled. We're going to take this in stride. Um and we're, we're gonna power through.
0: I wore um, my skeleton drinking coffee sweatshirt just for
1: the occasion. I'm so she excited. She is ready for everything post apocalyptic today. <laughs> she is ready for the death incarnate that is about to come and curse the earth. Ooh. Um, which this book uh is one of four in the series. Um, mm-hmm. and we'll you'll kind of figure that out because it is about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Indeed. And that is the topic I asked Hope to research. But um, before we get into the book, I do want to do scores. So on Storygraph, it has a 3.65, which uh, it's not the best, but it, it gets there. But on Goodreads, it's a 3.9. Both closer to a 4 than a 2. Which Sarah gave it a 4 out of 5. So, um, and rereading it, I think what you're going to find, I'll get into this quite a bit in the book, but... I really like the concept of this book. I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's thought provoking, but I mean, it's a smut book all the same. So before we get into it too far, I obviously want to disclose uh, some information about Laura or Laura. I'm not quite sure what she goes by again. We're not sure about the name. Right. Um, she's a wife and a mom that lives in California. She's written quite a few fantasy books now. Um, But there's been some, uh, like a little bit of controversy around her, specifically everywhere I went down this rabbit hole. It was like, there were a lot of people of color and BIPOC creators who were saying she's great representation or she has terrible representation. So it felt like a really 50-50 split. Mm -hmm. Um, And the two big conversations around diversity in her books included... Um, her book war which is the second book in this series um, and that's set in the middle east and it's obviously we have a white author and there is some sensitivity concerns about her writing about war in the middle east Mm -hmm. Um, but granted this is also not like current war in the middle east it's about a post-apocalyptic war in the middle east so like you know how much of this is fantasy and how much are we just basing off real life um and then there's also like she had a whole separate um rhapsodic was her other book that had a lot of controversy around it which she had a black female main character named temperance that went by temper and so Mm -hmm. people were calling out for having poor representation of enforcing the angry black woman stereotype yeah um but then i found create bipoc creators who thought that who had read the book and endorsed this because it wasn't quite it's like the I guess knee-jerk reaction of like oh she's you know maybe an angry woman but then you find out more about her and she's not that angry I don't I don't I didn't read those books but um I do know that there's just been a lot of conversation everything I found was like 50 50 kind of split on how people viewed it Sure, and sure. certainly,
0: we're not experts on no. diversity representation as the whitest people we know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, I am very, so. very, very white. Um, like a piece of bread. So, um, I'm going to bring us into our book, Are you ready? I'm so ready. okay. Um so our prologue tells us that the four horsemen of the apocalypse came to the world and rode to the four corners. Um, it ended all kind of machines and technology. So like cars broke down, um, you know, computers broke down, except for some reason we still have electricity in some places. Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure. I didn't like dig into that, but I mean, we support clean energy and wind power. So who knows? Um, and Got it made it through the apocalypse. Yeah, I'm very so promising. Glad that, that's very very promising. Um, just start your solar powers now. Uh, your solar power energy. Um, and so they came to end the world. And uh-huh. some of the language, and we'll get more into the religious and spiritual aspects of this later in the book. But some of the language makes it clear that this is based on some Bible verses. That this might be close to like the rapture, and. The idea is that they came to Earth, these four horsemen. They ride to the different corners, right? North, south, east, and west. And then they went to sleep. So you're kind of like, oh. okay, these guys came in, destroyed a bunch of shit, and then disappeared, essentially. And now we're living in this post-apocalyptic world that we really don't know what's going on. Okay? Right. Do you think you would survive a post-apocalyptic No. Already world? just, he- hell No.
0: Hell no. I can't even watch post-apocalyptic television shows or movies. There's no world in which I'm surviving in the apocalypse. I'm toast.
1: I'm very bar- guys, I'm barely making it here and things are not so bad. <laughs> I think I think I could make it a fairly decent time, but whether right. I would want to mm-hmm. is the question. Right. Yeah, so- I mean, I guess there's something to be like I I'm pretty tough.
0: I I have experienced like, you know. Physical pain in a way that suggests that I could be like a tough cookie. I guess I like I've broken some arms, but I just the from an emotional perspective, I don't think there's any world in which I could survive. Like I, yeah, my at some instincts point, would really have to take over
1: my emotions, and that rarely happens IRL. So, and at some point you'd sit back and be like, "Is this even worth it?" At this point, right. like. I no. mean, at that point, I would really question, like, do I want to bring a family into this type oh, of world? Man. How would I even, how would I contribute to this kind of a world? I don't know. It would just give me a lot of questions about purpose and like what my purpose is in that type of an environment. But right. Yeah. Ooh. That, so so uh, no, an- answer is a big no for me. Is, big question mark. Likely no. Um, so our first chapter is titled Year Five of the Horseman and. We find out that Pestilence the Conqueror has woken seven months ago. So we are actually, like I said, we are five years into this lifestyle. And now Pestilence has woken up and he is now riding a fun little horse Mm -hmm. through, you know, North America and is bringing all sorts of illness and plague everywhere he goes. Because that's what Pestilence mean. If you you don't know, Pestilence means uh like a fatal deadly plague getting down with the sickness if you will. Da- the real down with the sickness Ooh, wah, wah, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> i'm so glad we're both on that incredible oh. i wish you would have had drink that water right yeah, before well, you i'm really glad that i stopped or <laughs> i might have faith. spit water all over my microphone um so our main character is 21-year-old Sarah Burns. Now, when I think about a post-apocalyptic world, I'm also thinking, where would I be at 21? I definitely <sighs> wouldn't be able to make it at 21.
0: I also am not thinking of the most normal-sounding names on the planet. So Sarah Burns was very jarring for me. <laughs> no. I, what, what do you have wrong with Sarah? Nothing is wrong with Sarah. What I'm saying is that that's a very normal name, and I've set this up to be a very
1: high-fantasy, different oh, kind no. of world. <laughs> no, no, no. We are very much in America. Yeah, uh yeah. Adam Driver exists in this. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're gonna keep bringing that up. And if you don't know what we are talking about, please go listen to the love hypothesis. I, I can't
0: imagine not wanting to listen to all of our previous episodes after all these good, good teases we've made about that.
1: but i I really think that this is gonna be a here on out. We need to distinguish is this Does a world where Adam, Adam Driver, Driver exists? <laughs> Answer yes. (laughs) Answer is yes. It's
0: only weird if one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse also specifically looks like Adam Driver. Looks like Adam Driver. If if Mm -hmm. that's not the case, then we're doing okay.
1: Yeah. So um, she is living in Canada, in rural Canada. And she is a firefighter and her and her colleagues are drawing matches to decide who's going to try and stay behind while the rest of the people run. Cause they have received oh, reports. <laughs> They've received reports that pestilence and his little horsey is on the way to their area. And who's going to try and stay behind and try and kill him. I'm okay? laughing
0: because I'm just thinking so much about how I would not survive in this environment. I no. just, I'm so I want to crumble at the thought of drawing matches to stay behind in this fictional book. I'm so
1: toasted the apocalypse. Well, and here's the other thing. It's a little too close to home after COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all, we're all like a little too close to it being IRL for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well I'm going to remind people multiple times during this book that we are in a fictional world. All these people are fake. So when we talk about some of the um, violence that happens, this is all fake. These are not real people. It's not real. Um, Both for your anxiety and for clarification, because this is happening in America, (laughs) I guess. It's happening in America where Adam driver exists, but not real. This is not nonfiction anyway. So Sarah obviously pulls the match that requires her to stay. And, um, so Sarah sets up on the highway and, um, where he's expected to ride through because they there's also this idea that I don't know why television still works, but sometimes you can get like, it's almost like the electricity. Sometimes sure. it will work like it's radium. all static, but
0: if you hit a TV yeah. a couple of
1: times up top exactly. and really mess with,
0: the, I don't know why I'm indicating like dial TVs or something we're still using where that even
1: makes sense. Cause it super doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But yes, essentially think that where they can still yeah. kind of communicate and hear what's going on. Sure. And so there's reports of him coming from this certain area. So she's, she sets up camp right on this highway. She's got her shotgun, She's, uh, uh, bringing, you know, bringing it up to her eye and she's waiting Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, she's waiting mm -hmm. and she finally sees him come and he rolls up and it's slightly snowing out. It's the first snow of the season. It's getting chilly Mm -hmm. and
0: he's beautiful. Of course. Oh no,
1: he's hot. (laughs) Uh, well, a common word that's used is angelic. And once we get into more of the biblical references, this will obviously make sense. Um, Sure. And he has long blonde hair and a gold crown and he's got gold armor and a bow and a quiver on him. And mm-hmm. um, she doesn't take long to admire him before bang, she shoots the man. Well, okay? that is
0: the one thing she knew was supposed to do. So.
1: Yeah, so he falls off his horse, and she thinks it's done, and she's like a little sick over this because I think, I think even when we talk about, oh, you'd never know what you'd do in that situation, right? You you kind of sit down and you think it would it would still suck, right? Yeah, it, would, it would feel bad. Yeah. I would <laughs> hope it would feel bad. And she's like, I've got to finish the job. So what does she do? She pulls out some lighter fluid and a match. Uh
0: huh. The <laughs> one that she <you> pulled. <laughs> The same. That men.
1: would be really funny. It's kind of like when they carve a name on a bullet for somebody, like when games use out. that one. You can't kill him with any other bullets, or it doesn't yep. count. So she starts the man on fire, and he like is burning, and slowly you kind of hear him say, "Please." In all of this, oh, oh, and she no. feels very weird about the whole thing, but she's like, "It's for the greater good. I've done the right thing." Uh-huh. Before we move on, I would like you to tell us a little bit about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, please. Yes,
0: I'd love to. And I am going to talk a little bit about Pestilence in particular, because as it turns out, that's a really interesting of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So, um, variety of sources for this. It is, spoiler alert, very rooted in uh, a variety of religions so we've got some Christianity we've got some Judaism I am uh, still not an expert on any of the things I'm researching so don't be surprised when I say do things that aren't correct and I'm trying my best I'm so sorry anyway so uh, in this book series the four horsemen of the apocalypse are pestilence war famine and death so these are the most common ones that I'm familiar with um, yeah they, they are popular in pop culture um, there are kind of differentiations on what they are and how they're interpreted based on the origin so I'm going to kind of talk about two variations um, with pestilence in particular but so yes um, when you google for horsemen of the apocalypse your top responses including the Wikipedia page that I reference a lot for this research uh, are going to talk about the figures described in the book of revelations which is in the new testament of the christian bible um so they're not quite the same as the pestilence war famine and death we all know and love um <laughs> we all love, we, all love them. we know them we're pers- personal close and intimate friends with all four of them uh, and we and we that's what we know um in christianity the four horsemen include uh writers on i don't know if a lot of people know this i don't think i really did either they're not explicitly described as war ca- war came on a horse and f- famine the second horseman they're described as dudes on horses and described by their color in the bible so first is a rider on a white horse and then there's a red horse a black horse and a green horse interesting for context um in the wikipedia and also just in the bible so the white horse is described as having a bow and a crown um is interpreted as invoking Uh, pestilence. It is a little bit mentioned in the Bible, but also interpreted as representing Christ or the Antichrist. So not not just sickness. In Christianity in particular, which is again, kind of the top result for the source of the force of the apocalypse, um, the interpretation of it is a little bit different. But essentially it's saying Jesus is going to come and judge us for uh riders will appear on horses a white horse does this a black horse does this a green horse does this a red horse does this and those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse and what they're carrying and the stuff they bring are indicative of those you know war famine death interesting is is kind of where it comes from so um yes white white horse in christianity sometimes interpreted as christ or antichrist we'll get into the pestilence of it in a second like it is kind of mentioned in the bible but it's kind of different it's a little confusing um the writer on the red horse has a sword a sword i pronounce sword. the w i'm gonna go i we I should, should say i'm gonna go home and i am home i just need to quit um <laughs> a sword Wow. And they are interpreted to be the creator of war and conflict. So that's where war comes from. The black horse is depicted as a food merchant carrying scales and that's supposed to signify famine. Um, and then the final rider on the green horse is described as being death accompanied by Hades and is
1: the general depiction of, of death. This of is so horse. interesting. Cause I would have thought mm-hmm. obviously death would be black horse yeah yeah wouldn't you I
0: was a little surprised by that too but they I had read somewhere you know green being associated with like decay and stuff. like I I, kind of get it
1: if you look Uh, at the if you look at the covers I'm pretty sure um uh oh gosh famine uh is a green cover yeah famine's the green cover and then um then we have a Death is more of like a black blue color, and so that's interesting. Anyway, that makes sense to me. I like that in the book. You had mentioned that he, rather than being,
0: I don't know, in my head, I would have imagined pestilence being like gross and honestly green yeah. would be the color I would have picked for it. But I like the end of the book. You is like hot and like glowy They're and shiny and like <laughs> um I mean- well, it, it al- well, It's sorry. It was weird to say that I like that he's hot. It aligns with what I was reading about interpretations of this horse being first of all it's a white horse and then also maybe being christ or the antichrist like it makes sense that in the book he would be described in the way that he's being described because in the bible it's he's not like a grody green like disease goblin yeah (laughs) disease goblin um i do have a reading from the book of revelations chapter six verse eight everybody ladies and gentlemen we are gathered here today you don't have to bow your heads just, I'm just gonna read. Okay. I'm just gonna read this thing from the. <laughs> um, but it, it, this is just kind of on the last horse I pulled, and it says, "I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades accompanied him. They were given authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with sword, famine, and plague, and by means of the beasts of the earth, which." In summary, Christianity sometimes represents the Four Horsemen as visions of the harbingers of the Last Judgment, uh, setting a divine end time upon the world. Sometimes, like the Green Horse in particular, in that that reading, I pull up because it sort of encompasses all of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yeah. He's kind of the end. Yeah.
1: He's supposed to be, because I've read all four books, if you haven't caught mm-hmm. on yet. And I'm not saying that these are uh, really great representations of the Bible. But <laughs> right. I mean, but I will say, like, it's very much that he is kind of the overall ruler of the four. Like, yeah. he is the last one. He's the that last judgment. Sense. And we'll even get into that in this book, because there's a moment of that um, where he's kind of the final say of whether or not we should be given time to redeem or not. Yes.
0: Now I'm going to, I'm going to come at you like a white horse, which is what I wrote in my <laughs> research notes. I'm going to zoom in specifically on the white horse and on pestilence in particular. Perfect. Um, so I'm sure everybody's ears perked up when I mentioned that the white horse and the rider invoked pestilence, because it's the book that we're talking about. And it's the the horseman that we're focusing on uh, the four horsemen Wikipedia Mentions towards the bottom of the white horse section in particular that kind of goes into the different interpretations of uh, this horse and the rider and what it can mean. Towards the very end of it, there is um, a section that says, and I'm just going to direct quote, Under another interpretation, the first horseman is called pestilence and is associated with infectious disease and plague. It appears at least as early as 1906 in the Jewish encyclopedia. This particular interpretation is common in popular culture references to the four horsemen. So in kind of the Christian interpretation, there isn't war and famine and death are all kind of Consistently referenced, but what you call that first horse is not so consistent. And the most common pop culture interpretation of it being pestilence is, at least according to this Wikipedia, derived from the Judaism interpretation okay. of the reading instead of the Christianity one. So to learn more about this, I typed my way over to Jewishencyclopedia.com, which I'm thrilled to tell you is the full unedited version of this 12-volume Jewish encyclopedia that was published between 1901 and 1906. Obviously, I only looked up the parts about this and didn't read a whole 12-edition encyclopedia. But Thank um, you
1: to the curators (laughs) who are keeping that website going.
0: Yes. um, A uh, quick disclaimer worth just kind of saying because it's on the website. Uh, the Jewish Encyclopedia and jewishencyclopedia.com in general, as a resource, um, does not contain information about modern Jewish history because it was published in the early 1900s. It. Uh, it's it's not like a fact to know as it pertains to the research I've conducted today, but it doesn't. And the website tell you this, have information on things like the creation of Israel or the Holocaust or more recent events because they were made in like 1901. Yeah through 1906. So just as a disclaimer to that, as a source for information, it won't have things like that in there. It does have great info on uh, other Jewish history and religion and customs. Anywho, just wanted to put caveat that seemed like something to bring up. But anyway, Jewish Encyclopedia states that um, pestilence is one of the four judgments which God inflicted on Jerusalem in order to turn it into a wilderness. So that linked me over. um, I wanted to get the reading from the Torah. So I went to Shabbat.com and in in Ezekiel chapter 14, um, uh, I think they're verses if they're not, I'm sorry. First reading line 12 uh, or 21, not 12. I'm also apparently dyslexic. Anyway, it says, uh, "For said the Lord God, how much more when I send all four of my evil judgments, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence against Jerusalem, ought I to cut off from it man and beast? So, that's just the, the reading it comes from. But all of that to say, uh, in Ezekiel, in the Torah, is where they have pestilence specifically called out. It's not quite written that way in the Christian interpretation. When you look at the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse via Google, you're most commonly going to see that it comes from Christianity. But that specific interpretation of our, of our dude in this book is... Uh, is not derived from that interpretation. Our pals, war, famine and death align with Christianity's interpretation, but the pestilence one varies. Uh, Amen. That's the end of my research.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you for that deep dive. Second of all, as somebody who grew up in the church, and I know you grew up in the church as well. And as somebody who currently goes to church, but as somebody who can also step back and look at things very objectively, I, I, I think the Bible is such an interesting text just from how we have deep dive interpreted things and how we have used or like the uh, translations of words. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's like so interesting that we pull also from Judaism so closely because. Obviously, if you if you right. are a, a more reformed Christian you or Catholic, you know that Jesus Christ was a Jew and we talk a lot about that. And so I just think it's so interesting when we pull like one phrase and all of a sudden we create all these interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. And this is just the pinnacle of that as well. Um, so thank you. You're oh welcome. My goodness. Um, we're going to get into more of this religious talk from a theoretical POV. Um, I'm not going to get up on a soapbox and start telling you what to believe. Um, but I also think it's interesting that they mention Hades. Yeah. In it because I, uh, if anybody knows me, they know I love Greek mythology. And um, obviously Hades is re- represented in Greek mythology. And so I know that technically that name... Can also just mean like, uh, like essentially a, a, a personification of death or the underworld. Yeah, yeah like
0: sometimes um, it's underworld undertaker. Sometimes yes. you kind of strip that that interpretation out of it, and it's just sort of Satan. But that kind of is taking it away from its. Yeah,
1: because he's not, and in Greek it's mythology excellent. at least, yeah, he like, is not supposed out of to person. be evil. He's really just supposed to be there to take care of people after they've died. Yeah, he because, ha- someone has to do that job and he's yes. the one who does that job. And even within the uh, the underworld, as they talk about, there are places of paradise and there are places of, of more... Um, pain and suffering so like he's in control of all of it so when we talk about the underworld i think it gets a lot of fear just because it's the concept of death and what comes after death Mm -hmm. um so anyway sorry i will get off this we'll do another whole thing smut book about welcome to to our mythology very misguided
0: religious podcast we just yes
1: (laughs) um okay so we are back at it she has now killed him she has burnt him um, yes, and they goes, don't call her Sarah Burns for nothing. That's great. Actually, for some reason, I did not pick up on that pen, that pun, pen, punch. Um, and so she goes back to her little sleeping bag and falls asleep. But next thing she knows, she's woken by a hand around her throat and the face of a monster looking back at her. Spooky. This is a skeleton man who has been burnt. Yeah, They couldn't be the man I just set ablaze moments ago. And spoiler alert, this man cannot die. Um, so she Um, can't
0: mean to tell me that the four horsemen of the apocalypse can't just be shot
1: and then burnt? I guess not. Unfortunately, who could have seen that coming? I just thought the book was gonna end. (laughs) I really like sat back and I'm like, Really, did you really not think somebody hadn't tried already in the last seven months? Right. Did you really think no one, no law enforcement agency even, or, you know, any sort of federal department tried to, to not stop him? Like, what? are you serious? This being is a harbinger of the end of the world, but I bet nobody tried to shoot it with a gun. And, I mean, we all saw what happened with the balloon that China sent over. I mean, we were all up in that business. So, you really think they wouldn't do something about this man? Okay. All right, you guys. So, uh, Sarah, I'm going
0: to need you to suspend your disbelief.
1: Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> wow, how the turns have tabled. <laughs> oh, how anyway. the turns tabled. <laughs> so, he pulls her out of the tent as a skeleton burn skeleton man because his body has not quite obviously <laughs> regenerated. And he Very Ghost Rider. Yes, Very Ghost Rider. Very he, Cage Ghost Rider. <laughs> Can we tie Nick Cage and Adam Driver into every podcast we do? Uh, we can't because I'm going to envision this man as Nicolas Cage. podcast. Nope, nope. See, it's going to be a problem. Let's move Hold on. on. <laughs> we need to cast him. I'm thinking like you could go Chris Hemsworth. Sure. If you really wanted to like for Love and Thunder. No offense to Nicolas Cage, but I got to undo that deal I just did. And ooh, yeah. it's a bummer. <laughs> I can't think of a lot of blonde actors like for some reason. Anyway, so she gets pulled out and he's like threatening her. And then he's like, he also says to her, like, did you really think no one's tried killing me? Like, th- did you not think about this? So she's like, are you going to kill me or what? Like, just do it already. I- I've i known that this was going to happen. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm going to make you suffer. Because when I was sitting there pleading for you to not burn me not alive, burn me please. alive. You didn't listen. You didn't take mercy on me. So I'm not going to show you any mercy by just ending your life. I'm going to make you miserable. So what does he do? He ties her to the back of his horse and makes her, her run behind him while he gallops through the area to the next community. That's really bad. Yeah, that sucks. And like, good thing she's a firefighter and she's kind of got a honed body that she can kind of keep up. Even but so. Still rough. Now, I'm not suspending my disbelief. So he stops at an abandoned house and what you're going to find out, and you can keep a tally now if you want, it's already, I I leave a couple abandoned houses out of this, but he, this is the, the whole series relies heavily on abandoned houses. Um, I would imagine. Or, uh, you know, inhabited houses. So uh, we'll get into that later. So he's almost fully healed by this point and God forgive her, but she's definitely checking him out already so i mean this man's beautiful gorgeous beautiful bod um we don't objectify men here but this also isn't a real man because he's just like a personified concept right like he's not really a man man this isn't a regular man this is nicholas cage this is nicholas cage so during their first real conversation he's like telling her i begged you for mercy you didn't give it and he's like she says, you're here to destroy us, dude. Like, what did you expect? And he's like, no, you guys were destroying each other before we even arrived. We just came to finish the job. Ain't that the truth, though? Yeah. I mean, look at our current current situation. Um, he also makes it clear he's only keeping her to make her an example to anybody else who tries to kill him. Like, <laughs> if you try and kill me, I'm going to, and I'm just going to guess, fall madly
0: in love with you and fuck your brains out. We're not there yet. Stop I'm ruining just ne- it, the ending. <laughs> oh, but don't guess. Don't what's guess. gonna happen in the smart book.
1: No, please don't. Because uh, this also seems unnecessary when you regenerate anyway and you can't die. So, yeah, like, why do you baby. even like? The only reason I can think is like he's thinking, okay, I don't need any more hangups as I'm like these are just wasting my time as I'm trying to spread the plague. So <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to spread the plague. Could you just- <laughs> can you just? Can you just? Not? Just, could not could you not? I, I need you to stop. I'm trying to do something here. Um, so this is like this weird culture shock that happens for him where he realizes, oh, she needs to like sleep and eat and, eat, and yeah. bathe and go to the bathroom. And that's another scene that happens quite often is He like watches her when she goes to the bathroom because he doesn't think she's gonna not try and escape or like try and kill him again. So he's like, "My eyes on you, constantly." That's
0: just silly though, because as we've already proven, she can't
1: really kill you. So yeah, but like, could probably let her poop by herself. We'll we'll get into it a little later. Okay. Um, So the next night, they stop at another house, um, and that actually has people inside. Mm. And he's like, "You're gonna provide uh, some stuff for my prisoner." And the woman's like, mm, actually, I'm not. Thanks. Um, <laughs> which is like the boldest thing in the world. But he's like, he just ignores her and waltzes in. And at this point in the story, there's obviously lots of um hostility between Sarah and Pestilence. Mm-hmm. But that night, Sarah tries to tell him why she did it. Because at the end of the day, she's still human and she still kind of feels bad. Because this was really grotesque. And this is right. really just terrible for her to do. And she explains that they drew matches and that she hated doing it. But she also says, I don't regret it because I was doing it for humankind. Right. And this doesn't get through to him at all, obviously. Well, no, I, I'm not surprised. You should also realize that at this point, this man has like no facial emotion, like facial expressions, no, no. emotions. Like he's very cold and, and yeah. like disattached, disengaged with the whole situ- situation. Dead um side. Yeah, he's dead inside, uh, per your sweatshirt. Um, So that night, she wakes up to the sounds of cries. And there's some internal turmoil because she's stuck in this second floor bedroom. And she's alone. And she's like, okay, clearly there's something going on. I don't know what's going on. But there's a window right there. I'm going to try and escape right now. So she gets out of the window. She jumps down to the second floor. Surprisingly, does not break anything. Good job. That great after you know the the time she's had because obviously her body's wearing down from being running all day essentially, and she's you know got sores on her. She's struggling with yeah, with recovering. A, one of one million reasons why I will not survive an apocalypse. You know, especially being tied to the back of the yeah, that, war horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, specifically bad. So she jumps out of the window. She starts running and she thinks she's free. She's like running through this field. She thinks she's free until she's shot in the back with an arrow twice. Oops. Not just once, twice. Right. I'm not sure how this wasn't fatal, but okay. So Suspend your
0: disbelief. This is the first time that you've not had your disbelief I know. Maybe API I'm just in guy.
1: I'm I'm just in a mood this time. Um, it's all too real this time. I I think I can suspend belief when it's like emotional stuff, but when it's actual logistical things, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Um, Interesting. <laughs> so not not sure how she didn't die, but he comes and he's like, "How dare you escape me?" and he yanks out those arrows. And then ties her to the back of the horse and tells her sleeping is now a luxury that she is not entitled to. I mean, that's fine, but she's just going to die real fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we're not all sure what happened at that house that somebody was screaming at. We think like they were getting sick and it was obviously, uh, you know, yeah, not coping well with that. Um, and so during the next stretch of, Travel, she stumbles and she can't get back up, so she starts being dragged. Oh, and I'm gonna I again remind you, this is not real. Um, and one of her shoulders gets dislocated. Oh, that's a bummer, and she's in so much pain, she passes out.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Yeah, so she's convinced she's dying, but in this weird, unconscious, conscious, like coming in and out. Um, she is having her wounds taken care of oh. and he says something along the lines, which she believes is like, maybe this is a dream. I'm not sure if this is real. He, uh, she hears a voice say, which you can obviously think it's pestilence.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: not going to let you die, but don't forget this act of kindness. So reasonably, she like points out to him, you know, when they wake up and and he, okay, sorry, let me back up a second. I did forget one thing here. She like, realizes that she's holding his hand um, oh. <laughs> at some point. And as soon as she wakes up, he all of a sudden is like, ew, gross cooties. Um, <laughs> so yuck man was fine with it until she woke up. Um, and turns out she's in a bed. He's taking care of her wounds. And he was like, again, I'm not, I'm not going to let you die, but don't, don't act it's, like you forgot this. It's like that
0: exact scene in beauty and the beast. Yeah. Exactly. Run away. And she reasonably
1: points out, like, if you you hadn't frightened me, I wouldn't run away. Like, and also like you inflicted all this pain. Like, why, why are you acting like you're the hero now? You did do this thing. Yes. So for a few days, um, they're in this house and he's like low key reluctantly taking care of her. But one of the things he does is he brings her weird combinations of food because he's immortal and doesn't know what humans eat. So, what do you think is one thing he tries to bring her? Well, this is
0: hard because I, I'm not 100% sure what the resources are like in this apocalyptic post, world.
1: Yeah, post apocalyptics. What would be some things that, I mean, obviously it's not going to be like fruit or anything crazy. No,
0: no, it's going to be like dry beans and a can of like tomatoes with no can opener. So you can't open it or eat it. Struggle, struggle. It's going to be like, I found some branches outside, and
1: here's uh, the end of a toilet paper roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, close, because it's mustard and uncooked pasta. To be fair, I would eat those things if well, I had to, and I love. If mustard, I, though. I don't like mustard. But mustard. Uh, did you ever go through that phase in middle school when people would like weirdly eat just eat dry spaghetti? Dry spaghetti. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't know why <laughs> just that was. Munch, a thing. munch
0: it like take take it long way. Just kind of munch it. All yeah it's so weird. I don't know why we the all this to being a cartoon depiction of a beaver that I've ever
1: been. I guess yeah yeah well this house that they're in that she wakes up in isn't empty. There's a man who obviously comes down with the plague and he's very close to death and once she's able to get out of bed, um she has a natural like first responder wants to start caring for the man and making him comfortable and keeping him company. so he holds her she holds his hand and recites poetry because she wanted to be an English major at one point and like mm-hmm. loves to mm-hmm. memorize poetry and literature. And so she is like trying to get him as comfortable as she, as she can. And Excellent. like, they even drink a little bit of uh, liquor together and then he passes away. So as they get on the road again, uh, Pestilence actually lets her sit with him on the saddle this time. Uh, We've thanks. now upgraded. Awesome. I'm tired of uh, healing you all the time from the abusive thing I'm doing. Yeah. This sucks that my pet isn't doing what it should. Um- <laughs> Just dragging your animal on the ground. Just We do not endorse any animal cruelty on this podcast. We sure don't. Um, so she starts asking him questions, which he is like, I would love this to be a quiet ride, please. Like, do not talk to me. This is, now it is Shrek and Donkey vibes. This is Shrek and Donkey. I literally thought this when we were going through the book again. I thought, you know what? This is the vibe. And she notes that he's attached his word to, or himself to the word of kindness. He's always threatening that the kindness will end. His kindness will end. He's being kind Uh, to her. Yeah. Which and, um, she needs to stay put or he will not be kind to her, which we can get into how this is abusive, but I don't think we need to. How uh, uh, Okay. Jonah. Anyway, I feel like if you go back and listen to these podcasts in a year, you'll really know what time we were at <laughs> Yeah, we, by these life events that we we're not for up. nothing. Are we sitting here dating ourselves as much as possible with Absolutely. every reference we make? <laughs> so, um, Also, at each house they keep stopping at, they it shows different personality, right? If you go into somebody's house, you're going to see the inside of their life and the inside of their minds and their hearts, and And the inside of their house, and the inside of their house. And so, she's seeing, you know, pictures on the wall, things that people have clock collected, collected, (laughs) clock, clocks, clock collections. They are collecting clocks. And it's bringing up old memories for her, but it's also really sad because she's realizing that that these people either died or they ran or whatever, you know, to get away from this situation. And here she is with the man who's creating that situation. So then there's this like obvious scene that happens um, when an immortal uh, and human interact, which is another trope I love. Um, I love these little mini tropes that I will discuss Mm -hmm. in some of these podcasts, which is he comes out of the shower naked and she's like, geez, put some clothes on. And he's like, oh, That's you it. humans and your propriety, you and in your <sighs> innocence, get over it. It's a body, which what? I mean, oh,
0: accurate. we're balls out every day, all the time in, super in human my world.
1: immortal, <laughs> angelic world, in my immortal, that one song from Evanescence, I think, <laughs> <laughs> dating ourselves <laughs> once again. Um, so she, like, obviously gets over this pretty quick and starts, uh, like, oogling him. And she's like, oh, look at his bunny. Well, uh, well in my case, don't <laughs> mind if I do <laughs> Well, if you're just going to put it out there, I might as well take a gander. Um, <laughs> so he, like, orders her to take off her clothes and, like, get on the couch. And it's like, mm, but he's only doing it so he can get to her wounds and her back and, like, oh. you know. He'll I didn't think them? you were
0: going to say wounds womb <laughs> yeah and I was concerned about it I was concerned about to what I thought you were saying to Just her
1: womb direct line right to the womb and it, like during this uh, him taking care of her she's like hey you might want to disinfect my wounds because like uh, we don't want any infections happening he's like no I can control all infections so oh. I can make sure it doesn't get infected okay cool flex um, I don't know <laughs> We really could have used you <laughs> circa 2019, 2020. Yeah, I know. And, like, the best part is uh, Famine's book. Um, We'll get into all this a little bit later. But Famine's book, he can control um, growth and, like... Oh, so you could just feed people and you just won't? N- no. Well, obviously, that's the concept is that he d- he kills all these plants, right? But... When they're having sex, she's worried she's going to get pregnant. And he's like, no, I can kill off the sperm, essentially, in your body.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's all watermelon seeds. You will grow a watermelon in your stomach.
1: You will grow a watermelon. This is the one time where that's true. (laughs) But it's so funny to me because I'm just thinking, like, is that cute or not? That sounds so nasty. (laughs) I have a lot of... Thoughts about it, and I'm gonna keep them zipped uh, up tight and in my brain, being like, I can prevent the sperm from attaching to the egg. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, so this guy can prevent uh, infections, which also feels like kind of the similar concept that, like, wouldn't you be able to also not like be able to prevent the infection of pregnancy? The infection of pregnancy. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's how that works. Uh, I don't know. It sounds more logical than the freaking. It, it's more to do with the body than the growth of watermelons. Oh, I don't know. Man. Anyway. So, uh, sorry. Now my mind is just down this path because <laughs> now I'm thinking about death, and I I had read that book so long ago that I'm like, what if it <laughs> just kills the sperm?
0: Conversely, I'm just thinking about those watermelon laffy Taffys
1: that had little fake no. black seeds in them. No. <laughs> Ew, gross. Okay, okay, we're on. We're on to the next. Okay, so he's acting like looking at her is like the most disappointing view he's had all day. Like he's like, you are not appealing. You just have a body. Everybody has a body. Like there's no sexual tension at this point, except for her little checking him out. Okay, Mm -hmm. so she keeps asking questions of like, why are you doing this? You know, a logical question you would ask if you were spending lots of time with the carpenter of death. You know, or pestilence and his return is he wants obviously her to suffer and he needs to keep her alive in order to enact his revenge on her for what she had done to him okay Okay, but
0: like don't you have other stuff going on
1: i mean it would get really boring if you were on the road just spreading illness all day that's true but like i just feel if
0: if you're like a a super being with you know world-ending powers that doing this to a human would be deeply boring because humans comparatively would be deeply
1: boring. You would think, but this does you not would. go that way. The um, same, yeah. So there's also this thing whenever she begs or says, please, he loves to point out, well, I begged, I said, please. And you still set me on fucking fire.
0: And so instead no. of proving that I'm a better person than you, by not doing that, I'm going to do
1: the same thing to you. Cause yeah. that's fair. That's revenge quite literally and his whole thing is like anytime she even slips the word please into things it's immediately a no like that's off the table i if i was considering it and you said please nope absolutely not interesting there's another scene where there's a you know she's having a bath and he's helping her but it's not sexy it's more like she can't use her back muscles to reach her back so he, like her her shoulder was previously not in its correct location and so or, like you know, things kind of hard he shot her twice in the back with his That arrow did too. happen i had um, forgotten and so he's like what do i do like with this living human and her inability to function while being injured this is so inconvenient And at one point she tells him her name. She he's like, she's like, by the way, I'm I'm Sarah. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You're human to me. Um, I'll keep calling you human. And he's like, he literally says, quote, what does it matter? You're all the same. And she's like, well, you really know how to make a girl feel special. And he's like, you're not special. Literally, you're not special. No one is special. You're all humans, and you're all doing the same bullshit. Honestly, that's so true, though. <laughs> it's like a little bit of a reality. No, straight up, I agree. <laughs> and not so, special. she finds out he obviously doesn't have a name other than Pestilence, and she uh, and like, I would love for him to have any other
0: name because clearly I can't pronounce it. Pestilence. Give me anything else to call Pestilence? this being.
1: But um, he's like, I don't need name a name. Like names are not important. Okay. So if a horseman of the apocalypse came to hang out with you, what food would you want to expose to him first? Uh, hmm. That's tough. You know, and this is post-apocalyptic
0: world. So you can't just right, because the anything. resources. The other thing that's straight up been in my head this whole time is Zombieland. So I can only think about Twinkies. I've just been thinking about Twinkies this entire
1: mm-hmm. time hmm um what where what are you going to show him it, yeah, you can have delicacies really but like you're not going to get you know right right i mean I'm trying, to think
0: of, I'm trying to think of something that i think would be like around a lot and it's not great like there's there's just like a lot of raisins <laughs> it's like a food that it, there's a lot of because it's raisins but no one really <laughs> buys it because you, that's not what you ever want even in the apocalypse so
1: like i guess there's these raisins here there's, now that there's, there's no
0: other real food raisins aren't so bad and so nothing is gonna be great, but like or like maybe you have an olive. No one wants anything salty
1: when it's the apocalypse. No, I feel but, like and especially if you're on the road, you don't wanna like yeah, use but then up you find water. you
0: find a jar and so then you have one and it's the first time you've had an olive in a while and you're like, you know, these I remember these being good. It's not great because there's no food or water and everything's bad, but in different circumstances, olives a pretty good snack. Like those little pickles too. Like yeah, that- if we're being you know, pickles are the vibe though. I love pickles. Pickles, and yeah, those are my I, like if I want to show him food that I enjoy, it's like cheese and pickles and like pizza and stuff. But it's the apocalypse, so I just don't assume we have those. Things. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm trying to think. I would love some like canned lasagna, like the <gasps> Chef Boradie. That do, would definitely be in that. the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Those would survive, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred years in the apocalypse. Well, she gives him hot chocolate, which is a personal favor of mine. That's fun. I like hot chocolate too. And he seems almost tempted to take it, and then he just fucking dumps it out. Which I'm like, like, this is human garbage. That's so rude. That would be like a, a a federal crime, in my opinion. During the apocalypse, like, where are you getting all this hot chocolate? Now I know that the great Tom Hanks. Said in
0: Polar Express that there was only one rule, and it was to never, ever let it cool. But there's two rules, and the other
1: ones don't throw it away when a human gives it to you. That's rude. That's so rude. But he doesn't need to eat. And he, like, doesn't see the value in doing things that are purposeless. But you can start seeing that this is where the small civil moments are coming along for them, right? Uh Uh-uh. Uh-huh. So he actually stops at a hospital to help get her more care. And she like starts freaking out and being like, OMG, if we go into the hospital, they're all going to die. And he's like, I don't even need, even need to walk into that hospital to kill to them. Like, them. Yeah. Like I literally just need to begs roll the question through. Why
0: can't you just, you could just do this so much faster.
1: <laughs> it You'll, seems. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But she, he's like, I don't need, need to go in there and it's kind of fucked because he's like, look at all these faces that are going to die because of this illness. Like, why would you say that? <laughs> like, That's lame. <laughs> okay. Okay. We get it. So they stop at another house um, where he tries a, a piece of pie because they had like one of those, like maybe like frozen or like, yeah. You know, um, but they, he, she has a little pie and he tries it and he's like, actually, that was pretty good. It's like, gosh, oh, I know, didn't I, know about pie before. <laughs> And it's like really weird vibes after that hospital scene, but okay. Anyway, so they're back on the road again. If you can't tell, this is going to be a theme where this is honestly the theme of the entire series, which is just. I did have a house tally, but I don't think it's reasonable to try and keep up with all the different houses. I did not include all of the houses. I stopped at three. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many. Um, So she's clearly experiencing some hypothermia at this point. And he's like what's wrong with you? And she's like, damn it. (laughs) I'm fucking cold. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like passing out. And he, she's like, because you told me I was going to suffer. Like, I didn't think you were going to do anything. If I I told you it was part of the deal, my guy. Uh, And so he's like, I didn't want you to suffer like this. And she's like, I can't know know the rules. I can't know that. (laughs) So, He takes her into this house with a family and warms her up. And she looks around and realizes there's children in the house. And she's like, please don't let these people die. And he's like, actually, that's my whole job. He's like, I got to let these people die. And it's really confusing because they stay at the house and then she aids the family while they die. And obviously there's an argument that they get into over it. And then he just like gives her a sandwich and was like yeah, I liked it the taste of this jam and I thought you might too, which is like, cool, bro. I've been here doing this jam thing. I know that it tastes good. You don't got to yeah. tell me. I've I've experienced jam before and now is a weird time. By and the now way. is a weird like peace offering time for you to just give me a sandwich after I just watched children die of the plague. I'm sorry, but okay. sorry about these dead kids. I heard that people like jam. Yeah, this kind of tastes sweet. And then he just quietly mentions that like, he doesn't like watching them die either. Okay. All okay. right. Well, well, that sounds like a you problem. So it should be obvious by now that they're having lots of conversation about humanity and human emotions, including him inquiring about like why do you keep taking care of these people when they die, when they're dying? And she's like, because no one wants to be alone like before they die. Like that's mm-hmm. it's all about making people comfortable and like when yeah, they have gonna feelings. Die, it feels bad, and you got to fix the feelings, sir. Compassion. Um, And so they get ambushed outside of a city, and I believe it's Vancouver, if I'm correct. Um, And she falls off the horse and starts aiding other people um, because she's a first responder. And this is kind of like the first moment where she's really publicly seen because, you know, they're tracking him. Everybody like kind of knows the area he's He's in. He's coming up on the TV blips. That yeah. way, Again, have interpreted to be old school TVs and not the kind of TVs they would actually Like be. silent, like film. <laughs> and then it's like the <laughs>
0: <laughs> broadcasters. It would, it would have to just be flat screen TVs everywhere. And for yeah. some reason in my head, it's like old tubes and dials and, exactly. and a lot of hitting the top of a very big TV. And that's just so not how this would be,
1: be at all. Well, it's getting around. This is the first moment she's being seen with the horseman. So now people are going to know after this instance that she is with him he has taken a woman okay?
0: and they'll see what shit condition she's in and be like they must be friends they must be no mean. possible world in which she's like
1: being held captive she's yeah that's how how things like they're like, okay, I guess we're just going to ignore the fact that he's taken a hostage. Like, like I, I know that she's had some baths,
0: but she is still a woman who's had hypothermia and was dragged along the ground for a long time. So and I'm shot in the back
1: twice. I'm dislocated. confident she looks
0: like absolute shit. So pretty crazy to be like, she's definitely in on it. I and can tell. Honestly,
1: we all know that this is going to go to the way of uh, them falling in love. But imagine the ego boost you'd get if this man saw you at your worst, and you're—he's like, you're still so hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but then again, like Willie, even because he's already said you're just really suck to look at. <laughs> yeah,
1: literally. Well, they escape this whole ambush situation, and they go to Vancouver Island, and um, they're just galloping along um and how do you get to an island if you're galloping
0: but the magic of
1: uh galloping on water because that's no what is it well
0: if that so now that you've tipped your hand and that they just get a gallop on water it's not as fun as the (laughs) more logical but less reasonable thing i was going to say which was if you kill an absolute shit ton of animals in the water and they all float up. You could make
1: no. a bridge. <laughs> no, I'm gonna let you know right now. No, <laughs> that sounds actually less logical than did referring to the it? biblical no. guy as having a horse that can walk on water. Crazy concept. Yeah, but, but to be fair, we're going off of the interpretation of this man inflicts disease,
0: not the interpretation of this man could be Jesus or Antichrist. So in you my head, did I was say like, that the white horse a bridge could of represent dead animals. animals. But I also said that the most common pop culture references are from the Jewish interpretation, which focuses more on the pestilence, which is what the book is called. So he could have made a dead fish bridge for his horse to trample across. He just
1: didn't happen to do it that way. We're going to put a poll like we did our last one on Instagram. Do you think it's more logical for his horse to run on water... Or do you think it's more logical for him to make a dead fish bridge?
0: I don't want to know what you think is more logical. I want to know what you think is specifically funnier to imagine (laughs) in your head.
1: Well, this all comes back into play. But they obviously escape the scene. They, you know, they're on the run. And it's kind of a surprise for him that she didn't run in that situation. And that she started taking care of him and even though he's immortal because he had gotten some injuries during that ambush so now they're at a house after the ambush and he finds a bottle of alcohol and this man can't die he doesn't need food and he doesn't need to go to the bathroom but he can get drunk and he's practically immune to every other human response but this man can in fact get drunk I hate it here I don't I'm having a lot of fun but that's so stupid (laughs) and so that's exactly what happens and I I have said this before I love when there is a drunk scene when somebody starts confessing shit they shouldn't I wish he would have you know when I said your body sucked to look at I was lying (laughs) yeah well it's it doesn't go quite that far Mm -hmm. but um during this drunken experiment experience uh the those couple of years he, he explains that those couple of years where the horsemen were asleep it was actually the time for humans to redeem themselves they were kind of like oh, okay well, look you should have communicated that we Yeah, you should have like posted a Facebook message Nobody or told like me. <laughs> sent out an amber alert but for that you know I guess you did take away all technology so who knows anyway so he's like we were all sleeping we were hoping you would redeem yourself but you didn't he also admits to her that he's feeling quote something when he looks at her. And it's driving him crazy because now he's starting to experience these semi-human em- emotions when he's around her. Oh, so it's not just like indigestion or nodding. no. No, 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 no. So it's that's not, not hanging angry or anything. Anyway. You are hungover from the alcohol that somehow affects you. Yeah. Well, no, he's not, he's not hungover yet. He's still drunk. Oh, and so okay. during this confession, they're getting closer and closer, and he's like lightly touching her, and he's she's like thinking he is gorgeous, and like she's kind of like waiting for him to kiss her, and like I can
0: definitely oversee
1: the insane abuse. Yeah, it's fine. I've watched many people die at your hands, but she's about to kiss him and she's like waiting for him. And so then he's gonna surprised. throw up
0: because he's drunk. No. Oh, that's another trope
1: I enjoy. Ew, no.
0: I don't enjoy it, but it's just another trope.
1: I guess it's just another trope. <laughs> what's the other worst thing she could do in this moment? Oh, man. From I'm... what we know so far. What's one thing he hates? Well, I hope she doesn't say please. She sure does know. because the, oh, mo- the moment is now ruined. ruined it's, it. it's done. And so the next day, they're both hungover. Well, she's hungover for sure. Um, and they're back on the horse and being on a horse hungover sounds like the worst thing in the possible world. Yeah, it sounds like hell. Some would say the worst thing in the entire world is what I meant to say, and I said the worst thing in the possible world. <laughs> in all the, the worst thing worlds. possible, in the worst every, thing in the entire world. In
0: every possible world that exists in the infinite universe, the
1: worst thing in every possible world is being hungover on a horse. I said it. That Thank you. Thank you for identifying what I meant. Um, but they are galloping over the ocean again. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to puke. And she leans over to puke. And she falls into the ocean because she loses her balance. He thinks she was trying to kill herself. You ever <laughs> just lean
0: over to puke and then fall into the ocean? It's such it a happens. Bummer. I'm sure there's a story Every of somebody time. doing that on a boat. Probably. Um, uh, probably a lot of stories
1: like that, actually. And so he thinks she's trying to kill herself. And she was like, no, I just feel fucking miserable. And she says like, as she falls into the ocean, no, I just feel miserable. But he pulls her to shore.
0: Okay. Uh, no, as she's falling, floating, falling backwards down, down into the ocean. the
1: ocean. And then just floating away. <laughs> Not doing this on like purpose. Miserable. I really feel like shit. <laughs> so he gets her back to shore. And like in this heated moment, he like grabs her and kisses her. Okay. And also Yeah, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) So the this is like making a passionate moment when somebody was just feeling like really miserable also sounds like the worst. Couldn't be me. Um, but this whole book doesn't feel appealing in the least bit. So uh it's also clear that during this kiss this man doesn't really know what a kiss is supposed to be like so he's like harshly going at it it's very hard to kiss someone who's not quite sure what a kiss should be like yeah and she kind of like low-key teaches him look we've all been there and it's fine yeah well practice he finishes the kiss and starts yelling at her that she will not try and kill herself again and she's like that wasn't what i was doing but okay um and in this very awkward moment that they are looting the house um, that Who they come knows? across next, they go to another house because they have to get supplies. They keep stopping at places and getting supplies. Yeah. And so he comes across a shotgun and he just bends the barrel in half and then oh, just, very like, haggard. walks away, <laughs> just like walks away. Um, so at this moment, I'd like to ask you, what is the worst compliment you've been given before? I, uh, well, I mean, a back backhanded one. So. No, 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 no. Like more <laughs> like just the worst worded compliment that you're like, was that a compliment? Um, the worst compliment that I've ever received. Yes. No,
0: that's still true. It's always when someone's like, "Oh, you look like you tried today."
1: Yeah. Or like, <laughs> "Oh, you actually wore makeup today." Or like, yeah, "It's do you do something different with your hair." Specifically like, being told that I look that I've looked like I've tried. Yeah. Or, oh, you dressed up today. Like, oh, I norm. you dress nice today. And it's like, I yeah. typically don't. Okay. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Normally I like looking like complete shit,
1: but today yeah, I well, decided not to. This man says to her, quote, your form is oddly pleasing to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Honestly, so, that's more flattering than anybody being
0: like, you look
1: like you tried today. So thank you. Yeah, and you know this man doesn't know what he's saying, you know? <laughs> no, not at all. So they have this weird conversation about gender and spirituality. And he explains that God is not a man or a woman. God surpasses gender concepts, which true. All okay. Right. Um, and he's like, God is also not conformed to one religions. Humans have been the ones to distinguish different religions. Like he is not, you know, Jewish or Christian or, you know, whatever yeah. it's, It's so much more than that. And you guys were the ones that created these religious rules. God did not. right? And um, the only, and then they're kind of having this conversation about what he is. And he's like, the only reason I know English or I'm in the male form or I'm wearing clothes is not for my benefit, but for yours. I'm just Mm -hmm. replicating what you guys are comfortable with. Right? Right. So that's just the other concept of, like, he's not really human, Uh um, and he wasn't born. He doesn't have emotions. Like, it's not like that. So it's kind of like, what is he? Right. Um, Also, after this oddly religious spiritual conversation, he kneels before her and says, quote, I cannot decide if you are a toxin or a tonic, only that I am plagued. You have plagued my thoughts and filled my veins, which... We just—I
0: feel like we That's, really went from zero to a hundred.
1: I—it's odd, but it's smooth. I—I I yeah. will take it, get it. Like it the doesn't work for me organic. at all because
0: it's like too strong, too fast for me personally.
1: This man <laughs> Look, has oh. no chill. He has no chill. Um, they start making out, and he brings her to their very small little tent that they're staying in this night. Oh, where and, and he nice. takes off his crown and lays it aside, mm-hmm. and they're getting hot and heavy. And he kind of kills the mood when he asks her. With the disease? What? With the disease? (laughs) No. No. That would cut the book too short. But he asks her, am I experiencing love? And she's like, no, this is lust. That's And (laughs) mood equals killed. There are many times where I wrote in this uh, analysis, mood equals killed. Like, mood done. We're not doing this. But then they're cuddling, and she's falling asleep, and she thinks she hears him say, quote, This is not lust I feel, dear Sarah, and I hope you are half as afraid as I of it as I am. I'm doing a really bad time at quoting these things. I'm, like, stuttering over them. That's okay. I hope you are half as frightened of it as I am. Okay.
0: Sure. I mean... Yeah. I would be if I just had a conversation with a dude where he was like,
1: Am I in love with you? And I was like, No. No. And then, like, and then I am, and you should be scared. <laughs> and like, she's not quite there yet, but she's definitely having confusing feelings. Sure. Um, and she keeps on being like, Let's just chalk this up to he's hot. Right. So Fair later, enough. after she's wallowing about her confusing feelings, he starts verbally expressing his feelings. He has like diary of the mouth. He like has no filter. He like all of a sudden needs to express everything. And he's like, I have this longing for you and I'm afraid that the more feelings that awaken in me make me more human and I'm not supposed to be doing this and blah, blah, blah. Is that he even also, how that works?
0: Who could say?
1: He also says that love, affection, and compassion are the few redeeming qualities of humanity. And she's like, well, then maybe you should stop the plague. And he's like, mm, sorry, can't. <laughs> like, This is the ongoing conversation of like. But imagine he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like. Oh, you know what, you asked at the right time. I'm feeling it this time. All those other times I told you no were for different reasons, but now kind that of you like, asked the right way, sure. It's kind of like when you wait for your parents to be in a good mood to ask them for something, you know, that they typically wouldn't say Yeah, yes It's like to. when you ask your dad instead of your mom, because your dad <laughs> says yes yeah. more often. Very true. So after another house, they try to be hosted at. Um, the owners clearly don't want them there. The own homeowner calls. Is there Sarah, ever an
0: instance where someone is like, "Yeah, bring the plague man into the home, please.
1: We'd love to keep you here." I'm so glad you asked because there is, okay. but that's not at this house. This house, the homeowner calls Sarah a whore, and of course, Pestilence gets pissed off and almost kills him, and is like, "It's one thing to insult me; it's another to insult her." Uh, yeah. I okay. Guess. <laughs> uh, okay. Says the guy that's like Ben physically abusing her <laughs> I have so many I have so many confusions but we're taking that disbelief and we're just shoving it way in the sky so while they're staying at this house pestilence is being outwardly affected affectionate towards sarah and the family is being very judgmental this is a guy who doesn't pick up on social cues obviously mm-hmm. and so she's like don't fucking do this here right now and like obviously the family's being kind of hostile towards her And this is just affirming pestilence's belief that humans Humans. are scouts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, honestly, still true. The (laughs) homeowner who called her a whore draws her out in the middle of the night at gunpoint. Wow, I cannot say a word today. He draws her out in the middle of the night, like, from her bed, um, Mm -hmm. holding her at gunpoint. And they go into the middle of the woods, and he's going to shoot her. And then pestilence comes in, obviously. Because, like, why? Like, to what end? (laughs) Well, and his whole thing was he was going to barter and say, like, if you want me to keep her alive, then you'll leave me and my family alone. Which I'm like, okay, he can like you could put down this gun and he'll still kill you. You know, clearly like, you haven't
0: been present for the rest of the book.
1: <laughs> clearly you haven't been during with us during this whole journey. I don't think you're even listening to our podcast. <laughs> and if you haven't, you can join us on our social media at <laughs> at say Smut podcast on almost all platforms. Um, OK, so this man is now bleeding out because pestilence has shot him with his arrows and due to Sarah's surprising kindness uh, during this moment, Pestilence was going to like make him bleed out, but he's like, you know, due to Sarah and her kindness, I will give you a quick death. And I then, will let you have
0: dive disease instead,
1: which this guy was a douche. So I this mean, like, was a douche. it's after this, that they're having kind of an intimate moment. And she asks how long she will be his prisoner, which decent question, right? Like how long are we going to do this? And he's like, I'm let's do this until my job's done. So you're going to essentially ride with me to the end of the world. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Again, there's more spirituality, humanity talk. That's really thought provoking. I think even like, I just am a person that I like to sit back and think about things after, like, I don't know. I'm just one of those that like, even though it's kind of a, smutty book or it's like supposed to be a romance. I'll just sit back and be like, huh, I wonder what I would do in this situation. And there was a lot of that when they were talking about spiritual stuff where I was like, yeah, I guess there is some truth to that, that, you know, like humans created the rules of religion and Mm -hmm. we created how we wanted to worship our gods and whatever. Right. And so I just, I think it's interesting because at this point she asks him for a memory and he says, I've been around since before man was was here and I will be around after man is here. And so he's seen all this history, right? Because like technically he could cause plague in animals or, you know, dinosaurs or... (laughs) dragons or like all sorts of crazy shit. What was the large asteroid if not
0: one big plague for dinosaurs? Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs>
0: it plagued them with instant death.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor dinos. Um poor dinos. so I should now mention that our man has glowing tattoos. Oh, red. <laughs> yeah, it's very fun. Um they're written in a holy language and they outline his purpose and his mission, okay? There's not much to this. It's just a fun little fun fact. And like there's these things that like he can only say in, in his angelic language or I'm whatever. i conveniently wearing plot armor. Not
0: plot armor, but like the plot of my whole shit. On well, my no. <laughs> I,
1: it's not like that. It's more like something, something, mercy, blah, blah, blah. Like it's more like religious-y purpose, sure. right? Like the stuff you were talking about you know, in, yeah, in the yeah, scripture. Yeah. I gotcha. So at this point, our girl's seriously conv- conflicted. You know, this man is learning compassion with her by being worried about her well-being. And he's starting to enjoy human things like food. And he's expressing, expressing his emotions.
0: Jam is super
1: good. Look, have you tried this thing? Have you put jam on bread before? She's this crazy. man would die if he met the owners of Smuckers. It would be like the end. (laughs) You mean you can buy this just anywhere? Jellies, jams, preserves. Those are technically, I think, different things. I guess so. So they go into another house and it obviously has occupants this time. It's an older man and woman. And the man is like, who's at the door, Ruth? And she's like, I think it's one of those four horsemen. And (laughs) it's like so casual. What a man! So this couple welcomes them in and takes care of them. They're not afraid of him at all. And even the old woman kind of scolds pestilence at one point. And it's kind of funny. But the old She's just like, Oh, we're gonna die anyway. Do, do, do. Literally, they they quite literally say, like, we're not afraid of death. We've lived a full life. We've had wonderful children. And we're old and we're tired and we're hurting. And so it's lucky that they did that. Yeah. I mean. They've lived a full life. Anyway, moral of the story is that Rob and Ruth are amazing people. And they're staying at Rob and Ruth's and he comes to Sarah in the night and he he thinks that she's sleeping. And he does this huge word vomit of like all of his feelings. What a hilarious thing to do over someone as you think they're sleeping. Again, this guy has no social cues. He does not know what's norm and what's not. And it's this big confession with lots of flowery alert words. Blah, 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 blah. Wow. Sarah get it together. Flowery words, but he's essentially smitten with her and she's changed him deeply, okay? Uh-huh. 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 But Robin Ruth get really sick and Sarah is there tending well. to them. And we have a full-blown the notebook moment where they are dying together and, you know, holding hands and um, they even pray for pestilence. Like they said, you know, interesting. he has a hard, he's been sent by God. Like he has a hard journey ahead. He's going to see some really crazy shit and uh, that's going to be hard on him. We would think so. Really sad. Yeah. That's the couple dies. Um, I'm going to remind everybody at this point, if you're feeling sad that it's not real, none of this is real. Um, but this leads to another argument between Sarah and pestilence about, you know, this is obviously, this book is a lot of traveling, breaking and entering arguments, making out. Okay. All my favorites. Yes. (laughs) And he's like half-heartedly being like, I'm still keeping you alive to make you suffer. (laughs) But I did just confess my entire love for you. (laughs) Oops. So Rob dies first and then Ruth dies. And, Um, she, Ruth even says, like, it was a blessing to leave this world together. (sighs) She even forgives pestilence before she dies. Which, like, he didn't even ask for it. So, like, wow. This woman's a saint. Make her go down in history. (laughs) Make her go down to hell. (laughs) uh, Oh, my gosh. But now, what do you think happens after Ruth and, uh, Ruth and Rob die and pestilence buries them
0: are they gonna
1: do it they're gonna have a romantic bath okay I don't like that as the next step <laughs> and just when things are getting a little hot my face says, is so sad I know just as they're getting a little hot and heavy in the bathtub she says the word please no ah! and this is an automatic red light for him but then this time he's like oh I can't resist I'm just so horny and so she finally gives pause and is like maybe we shouldn't do this in the house that Ruth and Rob just died in
0: no shit
1: and and he's like why they're dead and beyond this place now like they don't this does not matter to them because I think it's gross and she's like okay fair enough but they don't end up doing anything so they're on the road again and they hit Seattle, and she realizes the plague's already here. Oh. Turns out, one of those nights they were at Robin Ruth's, uh, he just rolled out and went ahead and just plagued the plagued the crap out of the place because he was like, "I didn't want you to feel bad about it." Because we needed conflict. <laughs> because I just didn't want you to see. If, <laughs> I didn't want to be ambushed. I didn't. Because want everybody to loves Seattle, you. and
0: I didn't want you to see this. Yeah, <laughs> but I had to plug it. It is a cultural hub for full of hipsters, and (laughs) that was the plague. That was 90s grunge was the plague, but espresso and music recommendations when you go there. Now we got to (laughs) just avoid it all together.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry, it's not even what hipsters do. I just like pulled that fully out of pocket. (laughs) Anyway, so there's another confession where she, he says that she's accomplished what no one else has, which is that she has woken his, his heart. I hate awoken that. Awoken his heart. Not I basically me. said that and it still sucks. <laughs> and it doesn't take much for them to hook up. And obviously this man is a virgin. And then in my text here that I uh, wrote out, I said, well, is he a virgin? If he's technically not a man, is he a virgin? I don't know. <laughs> Like, really. I don't know. I mean, what is I, virginity if not a man made construct? <laughs> I mean, also true. Um, we will also do a poll is pestilence considered a virgin or not? Um, <laughs> so, uh, During the beginning, when they're, like, taking off the clothes, he confesses that he was going to kill her that first night. But there was this strange light and, like, the shadow that cast on her tent that made out the angelic word for mercy. Okay? So all those times he was, like, I'm just keeping you to make you suffer. It was, like, he thought he had gotten a sign from God to have mercy on her. (laughs) Um, And somehow this gets the romantic juices flowing to, like, not... (laughs) I wanted to murder you, but it felt like God told me no. Does that make you horny? (laughs) God moved me to not murder you, but instead penetrate you. And I wanted to make that as uncomfortable as I possibly could. Um, So they have very normal sex, except for the part where his crown manages to stay on his head the whole time. This is like a very perplexing concept for me. Um, It just defies all logic. Um, And then it's kind of funny because there's this moment when they're having sex and he's like astonished that he's inside her. Like it's like this impossible concept that an appendage of his could possibly be within her body. (laughs) The
0: man who controls illness and kills people by
1: plague can't fathom intercourse. (laughs) Can't wrap his brain around it. That's dudes for you, man. But this man has no chill because what does he do... The morning after they have sex what do you think he does a very religious man praise <laughs> uh no he takes her to a church and <laughs> he says <To> marry her <laughs> he says, he's really religious <laughs> you've given me yourself fully therefore i want to show my commitment no very old school. I was joking about the marriage. So I was joking. You weren't because <laughs> was it, joking. you spoke it into existence. I'm so mad. And she's like flabbergasted. She's like, I'm not going to marry you just because I spread le- my legs for you. Can you
0: imagine after your first ever hookup, if the next day that person surprised brought you to a church and was like, now it is time to return the favor.
1: <laughs> now, now we I will want to get, get married right now. <laughs> I want you to know I'm fully committed to you in this moment. Um, Thank you for spreading your legs. And so she, she's like, I'm not going to do this just because we had sex once. And he's like, Oh my gosh, you've done this before. Haven't you? You have given yourself to someone else. You're married. (laughs) And she's like, she's like, I am literally going to throw you off this horse. If you Don't stop going down this, you know, misogynistic route of yours. Like, this is so bullshitty of you to, like, essentially slut shame me Old Testament style. Okay. And he's like, you are not going to sleep with anybody else. It's just me. And she's like, that's not your decision to make. And then this whole fight results in them giving each other the silent treatment.
0: Which is great too, because in the apocalypse, the thing we're all concerned about is who you're having sex with and how often, and having it in general. So, you know, this is- all high priorities on my apocalypse list. My
1: apocalypse, if you look, will. she was just that good. It was just that good. Um, so what do you think will break the silent treatment?
0: Well, I have to look. Le- Uh, in my logic and reason brain it would be that as they're traveling there'll be another ambush and they have to like separate because someone's got to rescue someone or like something like that has to happen where they team back together very
1: close pestilence i wrote the book (laughs) pestilence gets his face half blown off turns out similar this little area that they were in uh had like this kind of like Group of people that were ready to ambush, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so she's kind of like they think she was being held prisoner, so like they rescue her, kind of, and Mm -hmm. they are like shooting him and like doing terrible things to him. She's like,
0: No, don't, and they're like, But he's evil,
1: yeah, like, Daddy, I love him, yeah. precisely and so she gets she steals a gun from these people and like kind of like holds it up and is like let me out of here and then she finds his horse which she has internally named trixie which i love (laughs) that um and the horse leads her to him which he is a mangled mess and she knows he will recover but it's obviously not an easy sight to see and she ends up getting him out of the area safely and when he's conscious and semi put together again, she cries over what's happened to him and is really touched. And she like, or sorry, he's really touched about her feelings on mm-hmm. this. And she also apologizes for what they did to him and what she has done to him because she's like, "I did this to you too." That's true. And after some pretty incense, like int- incense. Oh my gosh! I swear! I swear! It's just been Sarah a long and I are having a hard time today. Is after some pretty intense professions of admiration, not love, mm-hmm. not love, not love yet. Um, they're going to have sex again, mm-hmm. and during that argument at the church, she called their sexual experience "fucking," and he was like, "No, that was lovemaking." And so when they're having sex <laughs> Me, this time, I'm really
0: confused about the nuances of of lust and love, and yes. confidence
1: that we're making love, <laughs> and um. It's so funny because he's like, then when they're having sex this time, he says, This is making, this is love making. And she's like, um, it's kind of like slower than this. Like love making's kind of slower. So he tries to slow down and he's like, okay. I appreciate that apparently the delineation of fucking to love making is tempo. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry, but I need to go faster. He's like, I can't go this slow. I can't
0: make love to you. I can only I can't make love
1: to you. Um, and also like, what is that tempo then? Does somebody have like a number for me? Um, Yeah. How how slow does it have to be before it's love? Cause I gotta know,
0: we gotta know we're communicating, I guess.
1: So after sex, she's like, I'm not your prisoner anymore. And he's like, then accept my proposal. And she's like, no, but I did steal a man's gun and almost killed for you today. So I think that gets me out of being a prisoner now. Like, oh, she's got a point. Very, very twilight. So she is in the middle of reciting poetry to him on their next ride. And he just point blank asks if she's ready for children because they've been having unprotected sex and that's a real possibility. And she's like, I didn't think I could get pregnant from you.
0: I, I like how, how in general, when you have unprotected sex, pregnancy is a real possibility, but when you do it with the harbinger of, of illness, part of one of the four horsemen of the
1: apocalypse. I don't assume he can get me pregnant. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> perplexing. Um, I would say, uh, but the crazy part is, is he's like, I'm thrilled at the idea of having children, which is very confusing. Cause he's also here to kill us all. Doesn't make any so sense? We just kind of breeze past this concept, which I think is wild. Um, I don't know. It makes me feel like he just wants kids to have, like, little playthings, things. Yeah, and then he's weird. like, well, and then when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> like Just and kill. I'll, and just make him sick and kill him. <laughs> um, another community tries to praise Pestilence when they come in. And I was they waiting tried- to see if there'd be, like, a cult-type vibe mm-hmm. where they're like, we love this. Kill everybody. <laughs> they're trying to, like, appeal to his ego, right? And they try and give him women. And obviously, this does not work. No. Then there is a place that they go where a bomb was planted and the bomb goes off. And there's almost like this gang of people that take pestilence and Sarah hostage. And when Sarah wakes up, she's like, Holy shit. Like these people, they had known he was coming with a woman. Like they had heard the reports that he had a woman. Mm -hmm. So like everybody's calling her a whore and like a slut and all these terrible things. Just can't get over that. Everybody immediately assumed
0: that, that she was fucking him and not that she was a prisoner. Yeah, um, Immediately we're like, the
1: only thing that woman could be doing is fucking that man. Yeah, because, like, why, why would he keep her, though? You know, like, why would he even keep her if he wasn't getting something out of it? That's their even, idea. But even
0: then, you are still assuming that the one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse is hanging out with this woman. And this woman's doing it because she likes it. And not because the one of the four
1: horsemen of the apocalypse might be keeping her prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of resentment there, probably. I just wouldn't have assumed that she was doing it for fun. Yeah, that's true. But also, why would he ever? you know? Well, yeah, but that doesn't, that's not her fault. I know, but well, like, like. I just want to keep her. But that's like, why does do she her. get to survive and they don't, is I think the idea, too. Oh, so you're
0: jealous. Interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Interesting. So uh, when she wakes up. She finds that they are doing every she's like being tied up and she has injuries and stuff. And she finds that the gang has like had done everything that they can to kill pestilence. I mean, they, they have like b- pretty much. I mean, they've done terrible, terrible things to this man. And at one point Pestilence's charred body like half crawls to Sarah, which just kind of sweet. I'll give it to
0: him. Does it remind her of the time she set him on fire and he asked for help and she said no? (laughs) It's just like some
1: (laughs) because it should like residual trauma. (laughs) Um, so he carries her somewhere. Um, because they had left, they had left them to kind of die out there. And so when he recovers, he carry her somewhere when he was all charred up. Well, he's like he's like a skeleton man again, right? Because he's. Regenerating is that his true form being a skeleton? No, ninja? it's just his body's regenerating. Just, can't move that fast. Just asking. So she just know. uh, she feels he's carrying her somewhere and she doesn't know where yet. And she's fading in and out from her injuries. And all she overhears is pestilence asking somebody to save her because he loves her. And the other person's like, Oh, you love her? I hope you suffer while she dies. Then oh, and it so is nice. kind of like, Oh, well. A, but- <laughs> you know, well you have killed people we love too. So you do suck. What better time to meet his brother than when she's dying, right? Because we have to set up for the next book. Oh, actually, this is not for the next book. This is oh, never because mind then. death is the fourth book. Oh, so, I didn't know this was death. Got it. Yeah. Death, remember when I said like he's kind of the lead, like the ringleader. Yeah. So he, she is clearly like in a Harry Potter almost dead situation. Yeah. White train station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Baby Voldemort like, under the bench. Yeah, yeah. And so death is like sitting there, and he's like, "So you're the girl that my brother fell in love with." And she, he, she's like, "I think I'm dead." And he's like, "I mean, yeah, technically, but you're kind of in between." And he's like, "Technically, your body doesn't want you back." And like I'm supposed to take you now. But I am very intrigued about how <laughs> my this brother designed. really likes to fuck you. I'm just really intrigued, and I've got to help a brother out, you know? And so I'm gonna send you back. But I I just want you to know I'm watching this after situation. that. No take baxies. Second no time, takes the charm. no takes backsies. Quack, quack see bat. Um so <laughs> she wakes up in the hospital turns out he had taken her there and most of the doctors wouldn't save her so he revenge killed them and i'm not talking like plague killed them like no like exploded their eyes out and stuff (laughs) blood coming out of their ears and eyes killed them for sure yeah and so obviously this doesn't go over well with sarah and even (laughs) though she's like mad at him there's this weird like Hey, tell me again how you love me.
0: You can't hey, just make people's blood explode out of their bodies. Uh, you silly. <laughs> I love you so much.
1: <laughs> you silly goose. Just don't do it again.
0: Don't. Stop it. Don't you dare. Okay, don't kill that nurse. <laughs> <laughs> nurse gets a bloody nose. Oh, you better oh. not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a bloody nose. Get out of here.
1: <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. but she's literally sitting on the horse with him and being like okay do you want to tell me it again um and then she like is recovering at another abandoned location he decides to go down on her and she's like surprised by this and i'm like you're not the virgin here there's a lot going on i'm confused anyway there's a lot of healing kind of fighting kind of love making a lot of healing and then there's this weird there's this weird moment where she's like he would make such a good dad and i'm like oh "Oh, what was the tip off killing humanity i really like the way he killed that whole family i really (laughs) love when he killed entire all of those people that we've watched for the last 250 pages (laughs) and also he would kill your children but okay and i can't emphasize this enough
0: What better time to bring children onto a planet by force with no control of theirs whatsoever into an apocalypse than in the apocalypse? Yes.
1: And so they are one morning she wakes up and she finds reports that this that the plagues has spread states away, even into other countries turns out he can magically extend his reach i don't know how he santa claus that he but it feels like maybe he could have just done it all in one fell swoop yeah we as do really have to do all this but he's like look i did my purpose and my we the last purpose. two people on earth and she clearly doesn't take this up well and she points out that love is supposed to bring out the best in people not the worst and she tries to leave him. But what does he do but lock her Kills in the bedroom her. <laughs> for eight days and says, you will forgive me. So after eight days of coexisting, he finally opens the door and is like, you know what? You can go. I have clearly lost you. You clearly hate me. And she's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> see you later Uh, you're ever in love goodbye (laughs) and she then like hikes back to society whatever is left of society Um, and she for weeks doesn't hear from him about him and she makes it to an outpost and she discovers that the illness actually stopped a little while ago and all those people who got sick recovered and there's been no sign of pestilence anywhere she's like great I'm going home So she goes home. She finally makes it home and sees her friends, sees her family. Things are quiet for some time until there's a random knock at her door and it's him. And he tells her I'm no longer pestilence. There's no bow. There's no arrow. There's no crown. By the way, those things just like automatically generate wherever he's at. So even if he ditches Mm -hmm. them, they like follow him back on. Yeah. And so he has normal clothes on and we find out that this man has stalked her since she left that house. Because he was like, well, you were also severely injured and going into the wilderness, so I wanted to make sure you didn't die. Um, But you took care of yourself pretty well. Good job. Props on that. Um, And he's like, I wasn't going to let you get rid of me that easily. Um, And he's like, obviously, I reversed the illness. I actually was doing that before you even left. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. So it kind of gives him like a slightly redeeming quality. I guess, but also not really because you then still got a bunch of people. And he tells her my purpose was served. And after some discussion, she takes him back and he takes on a new name. Would you like to guess uh, what the name is? (laughs) It's just Trixie. He just takes the (laughs) horse name. (laughs) He does say at one point, Trixie. Just like, no, a human name, please. Trixie is a human name and the name of an incredible drag queen. Yes. (laughs) Uh, He takes on the name Victor, which is not too different from Conqueror, right? So he is now Victor. And the epilogue is five years later. They're just chilling, living life. When Victor gets this like, that's so Raven feeling. Uh, And she's like, what's wrong? And he says, pray for the world, dear Sarah, because war is coming. Uh. And so that's kind of like the end of this book. We go on to see Victor and Sarah later. Um, They meet up and he... There is this moment where he... Some of these men trade in their immortality to be human. Okay. So Um, that's just a thing you can do. I had some follow-up questions about that. Yeah. So he does become like human and starts aging with Sarah. I didn't know that you could just not be
0: a horseman of the apocalypse anymore with no consequence generally whatsoever other than you don't be immortal but that's kind of the thing you wanted in the first place yeah really no consequence whatsoever
1: yeah and the other thing is the really interesting thing about war's book is that he doesn't hold back about liking the girl he's with he's like he like ties her down immediately he's like yeah i'm into you and she's like i'm not into this and then famine is the only one who like reluctantly saves humanity like he still doesn't like humans he's like i only like this human let's make this all clear i only like this one everyone's got different
0: relationships with people
1: (laughs) yeah and so she's so it's kind of interesting his version and how these other guys come up then later because then death i actually loved death's book because there's like one woman he cannot kill or i can't remember what it is but she has like some immunity to him or something and um so it's interesting because they kind of have a cat and mouse thing where he Mm -hmm. is trying to understand her and figure out her out and so she's like running from him and he's like pursuing her to like why can't i get through to this so why can't i kill you yeah literally so there is kind of these moments of like they do have differential Mm -hmm. views or whatever. Um, And I do like famine and deaths books. Um, And then I will say too, that uh, this book predominantly shows white people, but um, the next one is set in the Middle East. They talk about Middle Eastern culture. And then the third book, Famine is set in South America, where uh, our main female character is actually a sex worker at one point, and she is, um, speaks many times in Spanish. And then the last one, uh, our main female character is a black woman. Um, so there is diversity shown to some degrees in the yeah. other books, but not this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how are you feeling? What are your final thoughts about our book? Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. I, I had fun talking about
0: it. It was fine. I thought it yeah, was fun. Yeah.
1: I have to say on the reread, fun. I was feeling like, oh, this is a lot darker than I remember it being. Um, it's, I think, again, I come back to, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, for sure. Also, would you have sex with a horseman of the apocalypse just to save humanity? I mean, yeah, but not probably that one. (laughs) Not that one. Not Pestilence? No, I think I would do Death because it sounds way cooler. (laughs) No, Death has wings, so if you have that type of a fetish. (laughs) I mean,
0: to clarify to the world, not no, not specifically. I just thought it sounded cool to say we're going to
1: fuck Death, but... I just say I liked the smart assiness of um famine the most, but also because he's kind of like the emo goth one of them. I,
0: I will I will oh. say IRL.
1: Well, I'm gonna relate to the one who is the most emo goth and hates people, and
0: it's gonna be famine. Yeah. So. um, would you like to describe our cover for us really quick? Oh, interesting. I don't even know how to really describe <laughs> this. So um the cover of the book just has pestilence pestilence. I I just want pestilence. the world to know that. I know it's not my word and hasn't been the whole podcast. Anyway, but he's up front and center. His his, uh, skin tone is kind of a lot of different colors. So he doesn't like, I mean, he has the characteristics of a white blonde dude, but in this picture, he looks different colors to me. I need you to know that he doesn't look, he looks like he's blue and orange and reddish. Oh my
1: gosh. Okay. I think that's just this, (laughs) essentially the video call we're on. Um, okay, he's very is much the- a white man in, um, sh- <laughs> like, has, has shading on him because there's, like, shadows. Okay, well, like. the
0: shading makes him look fully like he's got purple, blue, and some jaundice orange skin, so. Jeez Louise. Okay, get to the point. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. You can see his glowing tattoos. He's got gold armor on one sleeve and a very, like, <laughs> hunch, Abercrombie and Fitch male model yes. hand on, like, belt loops, moody kind of. it's it's an interesting it's just he's just there and he's hunched over he's not wearing a shirt he's very Abercrombie and Fitch beats the apocalypse
1: yeah very dark um
0: apparently he's white I'm so sorry (laughs) not that I didn't know he was white looking like a white dude but his skin looks purple and blue on the camera to me
1: okay what are you going to give diversity need a lot of like a
0: one or yeah one or a I'm two. out it's of this, one this this it, 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 not to be uh you know no tea no shade it's just a white book because i want white um, people in this book
1: what are you going to give the plot
0: um i'll give it a three not I'm my favorite of the plots it that we've done it was
1: yeah okay. it was just a lot of going to different places and having conversations well, and the
0: I, I like the the concept so i mm-hmm. i think the other books sound interesting too yeah what would you give the smut
1: I'm giving it a one.
0: Uh, Yeah. So part of it for me, it is not... Also, who cares what we think? But for for me, the setting is never going to be good. Because I don't like the apocalypse. So none of it's sexy to me at all. It's just all bad for me. It's all one bad for me. Yeah.
1: I mean, find joy where you can.
0: I dislike apocalyptic works so much that it just wasn't
1: never going to work for me. So what are you going to give smut then? So I'm going to give smut like a 2. It's oh. A- nice. Um what are you giving the cover? For a book like this, what would you even expect the cover to be? Well,
0: it is it is about what I would expect. It's very it's very like, you know, uh, dark cover, detailed in the yeah. illustration. It is about what I would expect. Um not very cartoony. So that's I'll give that like a three or a four. It's fine cover. I don't have a problem Pick with Pick one. Heart.
1: Three or four. Three and a half. Oh my gosh! Way <laughs> to make things freaking difficult for 3. me. Three point five. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> okay, so that comes out to me giving a forty percent mm-hmm. and you giving a forty-eight percent, which makes this the lowest scored that's book. Interesting. Again, I think I come around. I I hate that I picked this book now because I'm like, I wish I would have come around to the fact that I'm like, okay, this wasn't as active as I thought it was going to be. Sure. And but That's I still okay. like the concept. I still I like the concept too. Like the idea. And I think if you like it too, definitely go and read the rest of the books because they're interesting. Um, what was your what the smut or say smut moment?
0: My what the smut moment is uh, the entire. Storyline of I, just because it's funny and cringy to me, um, him being like. Is this, are we in love? Are we doing love? And she's very much like, no, we're hooking up. And after they hook up, he's like, we got
1: to get married. No, that's absolutely my favorite moment too.
0: (laughs) Like, it's very funny.
1: It's not, it's not like what this, like that's bad. Should have been there. I enjoyed it very much. It's so goofy. It is so funny. And I also love the moment where he was like, I cannot believe I'm inside you right now. This is wild.
0: I, I did also, also write barf kiss frowny
1: face. Yes. Rough. Not great, but he doesn't care about that kind of stuff. He probably doesn't. Not a human at that point. At that point, he had watched her on the toilet so many times. He um, only just found out about Jam. He doesn't know anything. Poor little boy. Sweet boy. So sad. One brain cell. No Lost thoughts. No thoughts. Um, <laughs> just Jam. <laughs> well, everybody, um, you know, stock up. Get ready for the apocalypse. Um, uh, you know, I, I won't be there. <laughs> I've already. got won't to be there. <laughs> I I um, quit. <laughs> yeah uh, but good luck and we'll see you at the next one goodbye